Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Building Bodies, Strengthening Minds podcast. My name is Steve Warren, your humble host. I contribute very little to the program. I just kind of keep the bus rolling. These are the guys who make it all happen. We got to my right, Joe Sabusco. How are you, Joe? How bad? Yourself? Yeah, very good. Very good. It's uh, as we're recording this. <laughs> a fall is setting in. Boy. Middle East is falling apart. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting time for sure. Um, and certainly people are a little on edge on a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's part of what we're going to talk about today. Tony Greco here, as always. How are you, Tony? Doing good. Yeah. Hey, you got a, a message on your cell phone. You better turn your yeah, chime I, off. I probably should turn the chime off. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Doing good, though. Otherwise. <laughs> yeah. I apologize, fellas. I apologize. Yeah. And our special guest today is uh, Jeff Perrault, Dr. Jeff Perrault. He's a clinical psychologist, and uh, he enters the fray to discuss, uh, well, a lot of different topics yeah. today. Uh, Jeff, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. It's great to have you here today. And uh, so let, let's begin by getting to know uh, Dr. Jeff. Which do you prefer, Dr. Jeff, Dr. Perrault? Which do you prefer? You like? Oh, Dr. Jeff is great. great. Jeff is great as well. Okay, very good. So let's get a little bit of your background as a clinical psychologist. You seem very young, by the way, to be a clinical psychologist. I, I'll take it as a compliment. All right. Um, I, I feel older every day. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, in, in terms of background, so I did my my PhD in clinical psych at U Ottawa. Uh, we were talking a bit about that uh, before. Um, but uh, the work that I do is really with with folks. You know, I, I am based out of Ottawa um, at a clinic called the Ottawa Institute for CBT, and uh, a lot of work with uh, professional folks uh, in the area on things like depression, anxiety, burnout workplace stress. Um, so that, that's kind of my, my bread and butter for on a day-to-day basis. What are some of the common things that you're hearing from people that come to you for help? Oh, I mean, it's often work is work in relationships are often the trigger or the spot where things start to flare up. Right. Um, but it, it really runs the gamut. Like it sounds so cliche to say like, well, everybody's unique, but like everybody really is like you can't just say, well, we're seeing this and this is the same for everyone. Everybody comes with their own reasons. And it's usually there's something that's not working in somebody's life and it can really be anything. Um, but how to get to the bottom of it and how to, to kind of put a framework on it, like I said, varies for, for everyone. Is, is there the standard Hollywood layout where your patient comes and lies down on the couch and you just have a good old conversation? Is that how it goes down or is it more like this kind of setting? Well, I work from a framework called CBT. So that's my training. Okay. Um, do what, a lot of what's called schema therapy. And so when you're working from that, those frameworks, there's a structure. So usually we'll try to start with an agenda for each each session. It's like, okay, what do we want to focus on? Um, this might sound off-putting to some people, but there's homework um at the end of each session to practice practice the skills yeah well yeah there's there's overlap there right like you can sit and talk about the exercises or you can go and meet with tony for 15 minutes and and learn a few things but you know you gotta serve espressos at your place too no no we don't have that down yet but uh and no no couch like so with covid a, a lot of it i'm virtual a lot of my colleagues are primarily virtual um so different than what you, you might see on TV. Yeah. Is there a crossover between Tony's world and your world? Like to me, I've always thought when I exercise, my anxiety levels, uh, anything stressful, we've always talked about it on the show, right? I mean, that's probably yeah. where the name workout 
got its name. You work out all the mental stuff. I just feel a million times better when I have workouts. Do you feel like there's, you know, kind of synergy there between your two worlds? Oh yeah, there there is. And there's research on the benefits of exercise for mental health. Like even like the movement, that activation, that's, you know, part of what we work on with clients is like getting what we call behaviorally activated, right? So um, I, I don't know, like client-wise, but I'm I'm sure if we had kind of a, a crystal ball, I'm sure like, you know, there's there's definite overlaps in not only what we do, but, you know, the types of clients, the type of people that we see. Would you agree, Tony? Yeah, definitely, for sure. Like I I was talking to Dr. Jeff and I mean, uh, I uh, worked uh, with uh, another guy, another doctor, um, the University of uh, Harvard and um, Dr. John Ratey wrote a book called Spark. I think I, I told you about this and uh, it was just, how when you exercise, uh, you think and feel better. You know, that whole neurogenesis process of your brain cells thinking and regrowing. And I mean, especially in young kids, they did several studies. Um, I'm sure you know, you have several of them where they had these kids take these 15 minute uh, breaks during school and they just had them be active, like simple, like push your you know, chair back from your desk, do, start doing jumping jacks, start doing bodyweight squats. And then they were engaged more in, in their ability to learn in their work. So that's just kids. And I mean, uh, I just see it in my own practice where a lot of these clients, they come in, they, they feel good when they come in, but they feel really good and great when they leave. And because they're on a high, right? Like that, we talked about that runner's high. And I think it's just all the fulfillment they achieve throughout the workout that makes them feel good. And, and that's why I want to have Dr. Jeff on the show too, because, uh, you know, this is something that's important for people to understand, you know, it's not about, just exercising. It's about how you feel. And I see that more and more like, you know, those days of, Hey, I want my ripped abs or I want my whatever sculpted body. Like it's not really there anymore. Like you don't hear it often. It's almost like they just come there to feel good and they know that it's good for them. And then whatever, if you look great, it comes with, with the hard work and the the nutrition and the dieting and all that kind of lifestyle change. But the reality is, is that you feel better. It's, it's your dose of feeling better. Yeah, I mean, you 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 live in that fitness world, Joe. You've got uh, Lionscape, um, you know, doing all kinds of exercise. I wonder, does the being chained to your desk world does that contribute to people's anxiety versus something that's because I think we're all hardwired from caveman days to be out there hunting and gathering and, and exercising, and now we're all just like eh, gargoyles in front of our computers. Does that do you think contribute to the overall situation? Yeah, exactly. And that's part of the problem is not just, you know, the, the city and what's going on physiologically, but if you're isolated and we, you know, we're very fortunate where we live, but, um, and we live in boxes, right? Like that's kind of the Western suburbia is living in these isolated boxes. And so if you're spending most of your day in an office and then you come home and you, you live in this box, yeah, that's not great physiologically, but what else are you not getting? You're not getting some of that social contact as well. And if people might've seen this documentary on Netflix about uh, these blue zones, these parts of the world where people live to be a hundred, right? So um, what, what's striking about each of those is there's such a community piece. There's a movement piece, right? And so a lot of what's good for the mind is good for the, the body as well. Joe, you couldn't live behind a desk. No. But uh, you find there's uh, more patients now ever since COVID? It's interesting because we saw at the, the start of COVID, it was almost like everyone was on pause. Like, I, okay, you know what? This thing's going to be short term. Let me take a step back. And then sure enough, in you know a few weeks, a couple months, we'll be 
back. So I'm going to take a break. And then after that, it was okay. Then the the stress, the anxiety, a lot of the, the problems started, you know, percolating in folks' individual lives with all the, the restrictions. We saw a huge increase. And uh, th- I think that kind of pulled forward a lot of the demand for the services. And and since then, things have kind of leveled off and, and gone back to baseline. Really? And well, what's interesting is th- that's what we're seeing at the clinic level. The good news is that uh, I think there's more out there. There's more great outlets like o- online modalities. There's, you know, companies and I can't speak for or against them. Like BetterHelp is all online therapy, huge company out of the state. So people have more access to tools like this. There's more good tools. There's more bad tools as well. So, you know, buyer beware. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that's if we hadn't seen the increase in access and different tools, we'd probably be stuck in that that kind of COVID-like phase of just massive, ridiculous, unfair wait lists. But, you know, things have kind of returned to some kind of new normal, fortunately. New normal. Yeah. <laughs> so what about, um, I mean, everybody wants things done quickly. You know, they're looking for the magic bullet, the magic pill, whether it's whether it's weight loss or getting in shape uh, or, you know, maybe there's medication involved in getting healthy. Like uh, that's a difficult subject, I'm sure, in your world, like where, you know, conversation and probing uh, with dialogue. When does that suddenly now we need to start giving way to medication? Um, What's your thoughts on that? In terms of the work versus the medication, that whole piece? Well, yeah, I mean, the work for sure. Like there's no quick fixes. Um, I think you can get a long way with insight, right? Like probably what you would see, Tony, is like, well, you can get a long way with some, you know, removing some of the really bad habits and inserting some of the positive ones. Um, but, you know, the, the work takes work um, and we're not programmed to be happy. Like as humans, we're programmed to you know, fight and survive. Um, so it takes a lot of like work and insight and practice to to change some of those habits. Um, and then in terms of medication, you know, folks, again, don't want to use the cliche of everyone's different, but you know, that's certainly an option that people have on on the table. Talk to their GP or their psychiatrist and and get on a medication and explore that route. And um, definitely a lot of evidence to support the utility of something like a, a medication. But again, everyone's got to make their own decision on what works for them and and uh, the pros and cons of each option. But I'd say go and learn and explore. Like if you're, if you're not sure, if something's not going right in your life, start reading, researching. I'd say start sooner rather than later. Go see someone, talk to someone, whether that's psychologist, your, your GP, it's not going to be a quick fix. You might have to talk to several different people, try a few different things before you figure out what works for you, but start that process and, and get it going. People are looking for shortcuts in your world for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that, you know, going back to the medication, I've had a lot of patients actually off their antidepressants um, because they just were able to, I guess, get a clear kind of view of what they really wanted, you know what I mean? And um, and again, I don't know the intensity of the level of their depression because obviously I'm not a 
a doctor, but what I see is the level of their enthusiasm and just their well-being, how they're more like engaged, you know, they're not distracted as much. They're, they're, they feel good about themselves. And I think, you know, that they tried the medication. Some are probably still on and some are, are not on it. I know some of them that have, that have, have been on antidepressants, like I said, and are not on there anymore, but they do feel great. So I what mean, about for weight loss? Well, for weight loss, I mean, I, because there's some new stuff out there that, you know, it's yeah, diabetic I, I, drugs that are yeah. now being used for fat loss. Yes, I know it's crazy. But I mean, to me, any chemical that's taken into the body that affects it in some way, which is not a food, is a drug, you know, and your body's going to react totally different to that. And I'm a big believer of well-being, making the right choices, eating the proper foods. I mean, there's diets out there. There's easy fixes. And I always said, I, I mean, I used to do consultations with people. And if I left a jar of, you know, pills and say, look, you, you'll, you can take this pill if I leave and you have 50% chance of, you know, losing the weight or, you know, feeling really bad about yourself, something might happen. Half the room would take it because they all want the quick fix. And it's just, it's just the way, they, the, way the, the way it is. But with every cause, there's an effect. So my pipe theory is always about, look, look at yourself in the mirror, uh, accept who you are as much as you can, uh, exercise, make the right choice. We all have enough knowledge out there now to see what foods are the right choices. I mean, I mean, there's just so much data out there and we all know what you have to do is eat a balance of protein, carbs, and fats and hydrate properly and everything in moderation. Uh, base everything on, on body fat, not weight. You know, that way, especially women, because they're hard on themselves. Uh, look at yourself in the mirror. If you're in your ideal body fat and you look the way you are, then just tell yourself you're beautiful because that's who you are as a human, right? You're not going to be that skinny mini person that maybe you want to be because that skinny mini person is not healthy and maybe wants to look like you. So it just, you know, accept, acknowledge, and adjust, right? And that's that's the battle that as a coach, as a trainer, you we constantly face with people. Because people don't know how to go through those obstacles. That's why they come and see people like ourselves, uh, because we guide them. Um, and then once they kind of understand what it's really all about, then they accept it. Like, first thing they do is like, oh, I got to lose weight. I'm like, what do you mean? How do you know that? Let's get you on the scale. Let's see how much of your weight on your skeletal system is fat. How much of it is muscle? Well, what do you mean? I got to lose 30 pounds. Who said that? And then it ends up being that maybe they have to lose eight pounds, which might make them look like they've lost 30 pounds. You see, so it's people need to educate themselves on, you know, what it is that they truly want and how to get it and and accept it and and see people for advice and motivation and expertise that are in that field. I mean, we wanted people to succeed, but we also want them healthy. I can give so many different diets to more to my clients and they'll lose weight, but I'm like, you're not healthy, right? I feel a little sluggish. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm diminishing your calories, you know, or whatever. I'll do a high fat, high protein. Like there's so many little equations. It's it's like a math equation that equals four. You could probably put 10 different equations that will equal the answer four, right? But which one is really the right answer? You know, and we all know that our body works on a 24-hour clock. We go 24-7. So if you drive that car 24 hours, you're going to need gas. Well, that's fuel. That's food. So you need to eat. But it's what you eat. You know, and I mean, I'm just. I think it's how you eat, <laughs> not yeah. what you eat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it's it's what you eat. No, it is what you eat. But you can eat a lot, but it's it's what you eat. Like, I mean, if you eat a lot of good food, like for instance, you can eat a whole room of green vegetables, and nothing's really going to happen. Let's let's say this whole room was full of broccoli. Well, that's what I'm saying. You probably turn you green. But, but, but. 
you know. So that's 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 the issue. And the number one thing I see is is the sugar. That's the, that's the thing that I think has a, a lot of like uh, issues that I kind of affect the brain. Like now they're trying to tie this gut health to the mind. You probably heard more about that. You know, where like the foods that have so many different chemicals affect the way your mind thinks. You, you know, so they say the healthy gut thing because. When you feel good, you think good. I think you're, you know, you have this clear picture of what is it you're trying to do, what is it you're trying to be. But when you eat bad, let's face it, you're not going to, you know, be in your best state, right? And I love what you're talking about because you're talking about the, what are the habits that lead to health? Not, let's not put the six pack abs first. If that comes, great. You know, I'm not fortunate enough to, to be quite there myself, but uh, you know, it's, it's like, we, we want to be healthy. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to be healthy? Or do you want to be skinny? Cause those are two separate things. And do you want to be happy or do you want prestige? They're two separate things. And that's something that I'm always you know, working with, with clients and trying to go through the research on and kind of say, if you want to, like you're saying, if you want to be healthy, here are the habits, here are the practices I want to do the same thing with my clients say, you want to be happy, right? So first let's define what's happy. It's not just feeling pleasure and feeling awesome all the time. It's having meaning and purpose. It's like, okay, what are the things that contribute to that? What's in, what's out, and then work from there. Because a lot of the times the things that we think are going to make us happy, like the six pack abs, well, there's probably not very much good evidence that's going to suggest that that's actually going to make you happy. So get yourself off that path and work on a path that's going to say you set you up for success and that's genuine and sustainable. Yeah. I'm interested in the pursuit of happiness and that discussion because we're all so diverse. What does happy mean to different people? Some people just never seem to be happy. And, uh, and the diversity of people, I wonder when we're talking about happiness, uh, are we products of our environment when it comes to that, like, is it, if it is, are there, are there people that are just born happy or is everybody, you know, nurtured in their childhood in such a way that they're gloriously happy all the time? Are, are we products of our environment and our upbringing or is it in our DNA? Right. So it's partly, and it's funny because it, it actually is 50, 50 uh, folks are, are high on positive affect and 50% are, are, generally lower on positive affect. So I'm generally lower. I got more prone to um, anxiety, stress. Um, I'm not as prone to like feeling a baseline level of happiness or contentment. That's fine. And the folks that I work with are generally in that that 50% who are biologically low affectives. Um, So that's- Talk about yourself, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, my, yeah. Like that's kind of my. You know what you do for a living. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to explain what you do for a living? Yeah. Well, there's a human side. So, to but here's the good part, right? Is is it's not like well, yeah, no. So you're you're biologically you're not happy. So you know, good luck with that, and just accept it. And you know, full transparency. Like in my younger days as a as a clinician, I, I think like I took it uh, this idea of accepting that you know you're not directly prone to happiness i think i took it too far to be some of that flavor of like well you know life's hard and you know you what you got to do is just accept it and then i came across the the research and the literature in this field called positive psychology which is not about happiness per se like not about the emotion of happiness yeah that's part of 
a good life, but it's about you know positive relationships. You know, what are the things that contribute to to well being, like engagement, flow, um, feeling purpose in your life, and so those are the things to me. I'd rather focus on well being than than happiness, because yeah, like fifty percent of people might go through their life and and feel more like pleasure and enjoyment and quote unquote happiness. Um, the the rest of us have to learn how to generate that that meaning and and manage our our mind and our psyche and our and our behaviors. And I you know I personally I'm biased, but I'd rather live that examined life and come to figure out what it is that I value and how to truly live that values based, meaningful, purposeful life, which. It's kind of like a sneaky roundabout way actually leads to like positive emotions and, and happiness, but you have to go with kind of like the long way to get there. It's I think people analyze too much. Well, we're having a discussion. No, I'm just saying like all these studies and all of this, like you go back, my parents were married 54 years, you know, they would have still been married if my dad was still alive. There was no studies, like nobody sat down and read books. You know what I'm saying? I think today there's just too much studies. Well, they they accept it. It must, doesn't mean that they were happy. What did your parents talk about around the table? What do you mean? They weren't. They well, they were. They, 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 they like, I, I mean, well, look at look at the old. I I think they just. Well, look at your mom and dad. How long they've been together? They've been together, but they just they don't know any better, right? The the, the back then, I think you know, women just accepted being who they were, and you know the you know the husbands would go out and they, they would they would. Bring in and basically be the providers, and well, that's the way what men's supposed to do, <laughs> right? Men are supposed to provide, no? Yeah, but, and women, and but women. you know, I think there's like a good default and a bad default, right? If you, I don't know if you guys have seen that uh, the Blue Zones documentary that yeah, that I mentioned, seen, right? See, it's but like, I keep hearing people talk about it. I'm yeah, it's really cool. You look at there's this one in you know part of Greece that uh, an island in Greece where you know, they're they're kind of isolated, so they haven't been quote unquote influenced by modern trends and modern products, et cetera. And their default is like a lot of community, a lot of just like good, enriching, nourishing foods, a lot of like physical activity that's baked in. Yeah. So like those, they're, that's, that's like a good, people are overeducated default, today. They right? know everything. And yet to talk to these people, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Well, I mean, you know, everybody's so educated today. Nobody knows what they walk around like, like zombies, you know? They need psychologists. They need doctors. They need pills. They need they need their weed. The weed shops are everywhere. But it, I mean, you're hitting on something, right? No, in, like, in terms of like, there is something I think about the way we've structured our society, yeah. where we've stripped out some of the meaning and purpose. And I don't like. I think if we we think back to like the glory days of the '50s, I wasn't born, but you know, I think there's probably a lot of like terrible stuff where people like push trauma under the rug and yeah. you know, were abusive and, and things like that. So I don't want to condone any of that. Um, but I think we have like stripped out some of like the, the community and the connection and some like the default good behaviors and replace that with like, like a child needs a good spanking. Ooh. Well, that, there's research on that. Well, what? That's not abuse. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. No, what I'm saying like today you cannot, you cannot address a child in any way, whether it's a, a good smack on the bum or a good yell, because all of a sudden it becomes, you know, they're sitting with you 20 years later and they got traumatized because my dad yelled at me or, or my mom smacked me on the bum. A lot of them, a lot of them do have those issues from childhood. I think those issues are created by today's society. 
they created. Were you smacked when you were a kid? We were all, all of us. We were punished as kids. We went to the corner. We but went some, to our room. That's why some but of them- now you get that guy that you go, you know, you know, I feel a little off. And then they, they, they sit you down in a, in a, on a chair and they, and they back you up. Like what happened to you 30 years ago? I don't know if it's the absence of spanking, but yeah. it's, it's being soft today, generally. Too yeah. soft. I think right now, I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily want to come back to no. to the spanking thing, but it's a case of, you know, you, yeah, following through. You, know? like you yeah. can't just sit there and be watching your show or playing your video games. Don't make me come in there, that kind of thing, and just let it slide. Well, today we're trying to be their friends. And, and, yeah, and that's because we're skeptical of what the consequences are if we do give, you know, a slap on the bomb or just- Yeah, but what happened to you? What happened to you? You're, you're okay. Yeah, well, I was like, yeah, it turned out, I think- No, I'm no, okay. but you're okay, right? You're okay, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, There's always so. that percentage. Yeah. Right? But is. that's in everything. There's well, always that I think percentage. we got to say, well, you know, what's the research say? And I think you're talking about like overcorrected, right? And like overcorrected, I'm being like too gentle and too permissive. So we know like there's better ways of disciplining than, than spanking. But I think you're also saying- that and, and spanking is harmful. I had to clarify, but um, listen, I'm saying a spank. I'm not saying a beating here. Right, <laughs> right. But you know, like I, I think you're talking about like overcorrected, like everything's okay, yeah. and like every feeling matters. Yeah. Is like no, I I agree. Like house right? leagues now, soccer house leagues, they, there's no scoreboard. Right, everybody's a winner. Right. Trophies for everyone. Yeah, how, and how can that be? There is so there's there's research on that. Kids do have to learn how to to Ooh. lose and and yeah. bail and that and rough play right like that okay you learn like okay i can't i can't you know be too rough with tony because i'm gonna hurt him right and that's how i learned the limits or it's probably the other way around but um right so yeah i think it's a point well taken i always come back to the research right on what's what's effective and and what's not though i think society is getting too too soft too educated and that's why we're having all these problems you know that that's how i see it yeah, you can talk me into the soft part. I'm not sure about the education part. I think you can't have enough education. And, and, and if you're doing research that's based on good science and everything, then I think you're on your way. But there's... Yeah, know, but there's people a- read bad things. People read bad research. Oh, yeah. People but, don't yeah, read the right... Bad research, and, and, that, sure. and then they educate themselves with the bad stuff. Oh, no doubt. You know, everybody wants to be a doctor, but you know, what's your degree? You know, everybody self-analyzes themselves and say, oh, you know, where's your degree? You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, I read it. Where did you read it? On my phone. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's no, fine. there's there's bad information out there with people. There's bad information certainly out there on the internet. You see it in fitness oh, yeah. all the time, just all sure. the garbage science that exists yeah, out this there. This is what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. People are too educated, meaning they're not educated like in the right way. You know, they're not educating themselves the right way. Like you went to school how many years to educate yourself? Yeah, 10, 10 plus for So, you know, you read books and then and, and you read, you know, stuff like that. These guys, they print it on a, on, a, on a telephone and they get their information in 10 seconds and they're all of a sudden they're doctors, like they're giving you advice. Yeah, there's a lot of noise out there. Yeah, you know, for sure. This yeah. is what I'm saying. Like you hear people say, oh, take weed. It's good for anxiety. It's good for... Since when? Yeah. Since when is weed yeah, good for anxiety the, and all Because now it's a, it's a free world that... Again, I mean, it's the social part. Like for every, for every uh, good, there's a bad, right? So you're like, oh, look at that study. Then they'll contradict and say, well, look at this study compared to that. That's that's the other thing too. So there's not really anything super clear about everything because you could say, why is, uh, just give me an example. You can punch in, why is caffeine good for you? And you'll get, oh no, caffeine's good for you. Then someone will say, 
why is caffeine bad for you? And you'll go, no, it's not. It's not good for you. And then you got the clash of opinions, right? But before you used to go to an expert and you would never question that. If you went back to your doctor 20 years ago and he gave you a prescription on, I don't know, some kind of drug, you'd go and take it. Now you're going home, you're researching like, hey, doc, you never told me this thing had, uh, I was going to grow two heads or uh, two late. You know, so they, they get their backs against the wall because there's just so much out there. Which is a problem. So that's why less. That's what is I'm more. saying. Yeah, that's why you got to trust the people that you work with. I think you know, and you know, you go see a professional, and the professional is going to tell you what's wrong. You know, you want to weight lift? I go see a professional. I'll go see you and weight lift. Yeah. You know, people and, right now are self-diagnosing themselves too much. I find, and I think they're actually uh, making their own cures. Yeah, it could get worse. Well, it could get it's worse. Not getting any better. No, it could get worse because people. That's the problem with with the society today is that like there's so much out there that people think they can do it, but they don't realize and respect the fact that people that have done this for several years and continue seem to learn. Look at, I'll use me, for instance, I've been doing fitness for over like 25 years and I continuously learn more and more because everything evolves and changes. I mean, I, I, I spent the last three years changing my whole way of training, like, and you know, a totally different than what I used to do 20 years ago. You know, and who knows, maybe in the next three years, there might be other scientific research and I'll be like, yeah, that's cool. And so I think you got to keep learning and, and analyzing stuff that is really benefit to like what you're trying to, you know, get out of it. Right. I mean, so, so there's bad information out there for sure, but we've got good information here today with our guest today. And I'd be curious to know, um, you want relationships. I know you want to ask about relationships, don't you? Relationships? Because I think that's a big one. I think relationships, like you were saying, right? I mean, it's a big one with, I and I only ask because I see that again in my field, right? Like you'll get either, you know, the female, the male that comes in to feel better about themselves. Maybe it's not so rocky at home and, you know, then they drift apart and so on and so on. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you probably see that more than one. Yeah. I, yeah, well, when we we all bring our our own beliefs and our own schemas and our own vulnerabilities you know, to our day to day lives, and then when you're trying to have a long term relationship with another person, you're you're blending those two belief systems, two sets of needs. I think we overestimate how difficult and complicated those long term relationships are, and how much work it takes to make that healthy. Right, and if if we have unhealthy, unhelpful beliefs or schemas, um, as I would call them, that's going to potentially set us up for whether it's picking the wrong partner or partner that's not a good fit for us, or perhaps we've got the, the right partner, um, but you know we've got issues in the relationship that are percolating because you know our two belief systems are, are banging up against each other. So that's a huge, whether it's, you know, long-term romantic relationships and marriages um, is a huge part of the work I do with folks, just, you know, relating to people in general, friendships. Uh, how do you relate to coworkers, colleagues, bosses at work? Um, relationships are a huge part of your know, well-being and, and the work that I do. When you pick some scabs, is there big screaming matches between partners and things? Well, I don't do the couples work, okay. right? For better, for worse. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I do a lot of, I've got a lot of clients who are doing their own couples counseling and then they're seeing me individually. But uh, yeah, I mean, of course we get into tough conversations, right? Like if someone comes to me and, and is describing they've got an unmet need in a relationship, well, A, there's got to be a 
it's hard to even start a conversation a lot of time about how do I get my needs met, especially if it's a long-term relationship and you're bringing something new to the table. Um, and then that conversation may or may not go, go smoothly. Right. And that's, you know, we talked about the work before that's, that's part of the, the work and that's part of the hard part, but part of the rewarding part, especially when you're talking about long-term relationships. The question I was going to ask you as we start to land the plane a little bit, that's all good. It's all good. That was a good, good question. But I wanted to ask you about the stigma of coming to see you. Cause I think this, you know, there's that whole thing with, uh, you know, we got to talk about it. You know, we, we have that big media chain in Canada that has the big marketing campaign that's kind of disguised as a mental health day and all that stuff. Uh, but it, it's healthy. It, it's good. Uh, am I right in thinking there's still a stigma though that, cause I mean, th- that some people might say, um, you know, I don't, th- I, like Joe, for example, I can't see Joe, you know, proudly announcing to Tony that he's going to see a clinical psychologist, Never. right? Right. It even wouldn't if, happen in even, my, in my you circle. Were, you wouldn't say it, right? It wouldn't happen in my circle. Yeah. Never say never. What would your message be to somebody who, like Joe, who's hesitant, who probably thinks in his heart of hearts that maybe I could use what the good doctor is offering here today? What would your message be to someone like that? Yeah. I mean, first you talked about like in some ways there's more awareness and there's less stigma, but I don't think that it, that necessarily hits each person the same way. Like I think we've done a lot in terms of awareness around suicide and suicide prevention. That's great. And that's super important. But you know, most of the clients I see aren't going through uh, suicidality. Um, some, some are, and some have, and, and, you know, that's part of the work that I do. Um, but I, I think some of the, the newfound awareness can actually, if we're not careful, be isolating because if we're saying, well, you know, we're going to have awareness around schizophrenia or we're going to have awareness around suicidality. If, if Joe's saying, you know, I guess that's not me. Cause I just got this like nagging issue with my kids. And, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I, I don't see myself, you know, getting talked about in, in the ads and the campaign. So I better just suck it up and deal with it. My message would be like, no, like th- we're just having a conversation. And, and I think that I try to do a good job of like, just have it. It's just a conversation, like, especially with some of the folks who, who might be, you know, stereotypically guys, you know, of a certain demographic, a certain age group um, who who feel particularly stigmatized. Like we're just having a, a consultation and it's problem go. solving. That's why guys like me don't go say, oh, he's profiling. <laughs> a problem. That's healthy for you. I'm trying, Joe. I'm trying. It's tried. a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts before we wrap things up today, gentlemen? Yeah, no, I would just say like how, I mean, if you're able to, to kind of see when a person's kind of depressed, you know what I mean? If there's signs, uh, you know, like if it's a habit that people do all the time, if it's like, you know, I, I, that's something I wanted to see if, if you could actually see that, like what, what triggers that? Like, can, are you able to identify to say something, you know what, this guy's depressed. And the reason why I asked that, because we have a friends group and, um, you know, like you look at the text and I, and I, and I mentioned it to a, a psychiatrist before I'm like, yeah. And he said, yeah, I mean, you know, is this guy this, right? I'm not going to mention it. And I'm like, yeah, how'd you know that? Go ahead. He, no, 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 I can't. And he said, well, you could see by the way they respond. It's not like, text. This doctor know, saw it on a yeah, text. Yeah, I showed them my text of the group. It's crazy. It, that's how good the, the doctor was, right? And they're like, well, is, and I said, yeah, how do, how do you know? Like, you know what I mean? And like, so anyways, based on the responses, 
they were able to see that there was some kind of like, you know, maybe depression. Like, is do you see that? Like any, like, can you identify what people are doing if they're depressed? Oh, yeah. I mean, we just look at the symptoms of depression, right? Like things like a lot of guilt-related thoughts, a lot of negative affect in in how the person's presenting, their speech, isolation, you know, sleep difficulties. I don't know if you're comfortable saying, you know, some of what you're seeing with your friend, but I'm sure it lines up with, you know, the symptoms that we would go through in diagnosing um, something like depression. A lot of like self-blaming thoughts that a lot of quote unquote negativity in people's thoughts and their assumptions and their outlook on, you know, what's going to happen in a given situation. I'm, I'm interested now just yeah. to follow, just to dovetail on Tony's question, the people close to you, do they feel like they're being analyzed all the time? Well, that's, that's what people asked me when I you know was doing my training it would always be like, are you analyzing people now? It's for like, well, no, I, I've always analyzed people, which is why you know I'm in this profession. So I think it, I just have a a natural interest in thoughts, people, ideas, and I think that's what has drawn me into the profession. So it's not I'm analyzing in the sense that I'm judging. Like, let's face it, we're we're all judgmental creatures. Uh, we do judge and we do all analyze. But for me, like when people ask about analyzing, it's like, I'm just interested in like people's perspectives, their ideas, you know, where they're coming from. So how much work do I need, you think? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk after. <laughs> uh, that's a good question to wrap it up. But, right <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that's, that's, that's all good. And I mean, I think, I think, uh, Steve, you know, going back to, um, the stuff like the fitness and the meditation and all those exercises you could you could do for your habits. I think Dr. Jeff would agree. I think it it helps people to, you know, overcome certain things if they're not that far gone. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's just because experiences that people have shared with me. Um, so I'm open to talk about it, that that's what they did. So in order to like change the way they think, they got to be willing to accept the way they're thinking. And that's not easy, right? So if you start doing uh, the daily habits, uh, whether you're meditating, whether you're taking walks, early walks in the morning, uh, whether you're exercising, you know, little things before, you know, maybe making that effort to to go see someone like Dr. Jeff, like I think you could kind of, you know, maybe uh, succeed and go through those obstacles, right? But you got to be willing to do the work, right? <laughs> so... And and if you're not sure, like just ask. Like I know it's super hard to, to like reach out and and talk to someone, especially if you you feel hesitant. But it, like in my profession, we have certain confidentiality obligations, right? There's there's certain exceptions to that, but um, they're very limited uh, exceptions to confidentiality. So if you come forward and you say, "I want to talk to someone," try it out one, two, three sessions. A lot of people, especially in this city, are fortunate enough to have good benefits probably be covered by insurance um so there's a very limited cost like do it virtually and you know you know you're expending three four hours and even if it's not if even if the person you connect with isn't someone that exactly meets your needs i think you're gonna learn from those three four hours invested and then go to the the next thing and, and keep exploring and keep you know engaged in that that personal growth is there any information that we can put out there on your behalf? I saw a Substack, uh, maybe a blog that you've got going. Anything else? You anything you want to put out there? 
to our listeners and viewers? Sure, yeah. So I'm, I'm at the Ottawa Institute for CBT. Uh, so ottawacbt.ca if, if folks want to check out uh, the clinic. Um, and then, yeah, I've, I've got uh, a Substack where I put together written guides. So all the, the things that I talk about with clients in session, I'm trying to put these together in these written guides that are oh, cool. detailed enough and, and clear enough that folks like my clients can go and read them and and learn the skills so they don't have to listen to me rant um in session and that's that's a substack called the psychology of happiness nice well it's great to have you here today and very nice to meet you he is dr jeff perron thank you so much for being with us on the show today thanks for having me guys thank you this guy here is joe sabusco have you learned anything today joe absolutely boy. <laughs> tony yeah fantastic excellent Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Steve Warren. Thank you very much for being with us today on the Building Body Strengthening Minds podcast, and we'll talk to you next time.